0: Hi everybody, it's Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. I'm a vestibular audiologist and neuroplasticity therapist and I really take great interest in nurturing the discovery journey, the self-study, the healing, the recovery, the, the inner process that we go through, we walk through as we face chronic symptoms. And the edge I like to walk is one of really questioning, where is my power? Where is my control? Where is not my control? What can I do about this? And a lot of the outer world is probably telling us, you know, change this, fix that, buy this, buy that, study this, study that. There's there's a lot of noise out there. And it brings me home to my sense of clarity, to myself, to my center, to be with my body and my felt sense. That's feel That feels like where I get the most truth and in my rock steady community that's where my clients are finding their healing their bodies are teaching them what they need who they are who they're not what they don't need they may come to me feeling lost alone brain fog no mental clarity loss of confidence you know a lot of anxiety and panic and depression melancholy and their body brings them home their body teaches them how to be supported how to be soothed how to come back to joy excitement connection and the key piece to this I really feel is dropping into this place of vulnerability where we're tender and we don't know anymore because when we're really present we're not in the past we're not in the future we've never been here we don't know we're literally deep in the mystery of the unknown it's exciting it's terrifying it's warm it's fuzzy it's it's all of the above it's exciting. It actually gives me goosebumps. So today I have a guest speaker who has written a book entirely on this space, on that little moment of pause where we don't know when we're tender and we're vulnerable. We're not quite right. Our body is whispering at us. Something's not right here. Something in this room doesn't sit well. There's an incongruence here. Something is pulling my soul off to the left. I don't like this place, right? The, the, the body is whispering at us. These not quite right sensations, this vulnerable space, this pause, what do we do about it? Well, we now have a map. I want to introduce you to Dr. Sandra Parker, who's a registered psychologist based in Canada, and she's the author of Embracing Unrest. Sandra's going to speak a little more in detail about this moment of pause that can so quickly pass us by, which she labels unrest. Welcome, Sandra. We really value your time. I'm excited for my community members to meet you and hopefully to read your book. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I I feel like your community is dealing with the human condition at uh, a very I mean, it's ridiculous, but I was the thought that came in my mind amplified way. But the, the human vulnerability that we all have, where there's things that we long for and we're confronted with our human limits, that that moment of pause, as you say, that's the vulnerability of being human. And certainly when you're hearing sounds in your own head that are intrusive and, Uh, not in your control. You don't know when they're going to come and when they're going to go and how big they will be. Um, it's so natural, it's so normal to put your dukes up and want to get into a fight with that. And and for all of us in life, when we're waiting on an email, or, um, you know, the cat barfs on the carpet again, or, you know, your husband's late to come home from work, or all the things, little little things and big things, you're waiting on test results for a biopsy, or, you know, your brother just keeps drinking and driving, and you you're just absolutely sick with the you know sorrow that you know something terrible could happen there's so many examples in our daily life where we don't have control and we don't have certainty and and yet it is so human to want those things and embracing unrest is a roadmap it is a path for being Um, loving toward ourselves in this humanity of who we are, this, this longing for things to be a certain way, which there's nothing wrong with that. And then reality's rather reliable way of doing what it's going to do, regardless of my longing, and finding a way to come through that, actually, that can grow me into more me. So it's not just that this little pause is unpleasant and uncomfortable, I think it's uncomfortable to get our attention. I don't think that's a, a glitch or a flaw in the in the plan. I think that bracing that comes up in the body in a moment of, a, of vulnerability is, is designed by some miraculous consciousness to wake us up at the optimal moment for growth. Because right in that moment where I long for something that I can't make happen, that is the moment if i can soothe my nervous system that's a big if but if i know to turn turn my attention inward and ground into the body so the animal knows there's no saber-toothed tiger what rises in that moment is this powerful wave of emotion that wants to help me come to terms and and there there may be uh, my fist to the heavens in a wave of anger as i protest something that i really wish was different and And I want to welcome that and make that okay. And then after that, there's a wave of sadness as I surrender to my, you know, upturned hands as as it's in larger hands than mine. And I allow myself to, to still stay there with myself, even though what I long for is not 100%. In my hands to secure and out the other side there are these gifts for us if we stay with ourselves which is incredibly courageous and counterintuitive and not how we're wired so it's a lot of work but the value we we access these riches of authenticity resilience and connection these are these are jewels i want to talk about later but yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) i think for those of you listening that might be a bit like whoa you know what I'm learning as I as I grow a little older and have children and I soften and I slow down and all of this is it is really beautiful to be seen, to be heard, to be valued, to be respected. And in fact, just the other day, I found myself with my two-year-old, he's almost three, but two-year-old, and I'm getting frustrated. And I looked at him and I said, it's not nice to feel unlistened to. Like, look at my face. I feel unlistened to. It hurts me and I'm sad. And, you know, just being able to articulate and be real and authentic instead of trying to be that mom who's calm and happy all the time and fake it, which distances me from what I really am in that moment. And that sucks my energy. My, my precious life force goes out of my body because I'm pretending to be some image of a perfect mother who maybe I think I should be instead of just pausing and, 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 and speaking truthfully which keeps my energy here and keeps me in alignment with, with that feeling that's arising in my body and that tension and that face and that voice. Keeping that authenticity together and being able to really give that to my son is a gift because then it gives him permission to be himself and to know it's okay to want to be listened to. And actually, mom values me when I listen to her. So there's so much going on that when we're authentic and connected to ourselves, we can give more of ourselves to others. And I think this is a huge growth point because I can speak for myself. And those of you who follow me will will have heard part of my childhood story, et cetera. But I did feel as though I had to perform. And I got very good at reading people and saying or doing or being what I thought they needed. I was protecting them and making sure they didn't feel not quite right or uncomfortable or tender or vulnerable. Any place of unrest was like, don't go there. I don't want that. So I would perform myself to try and soothe everybody else's unrest, which meant I'm leaking energy. I'm not authentic. I'm becoming this little performer, right? So coming, and this is very common, by the way. And so learning to come home to my authenticity of pausing and feeling in the body, hang on, I am feeling a bit tight in my neck. I am feeling a bit tired in my head. You know, I am feeling a bit twisted in my gut. Like the The world out here is telling me something's not quite right. And I think a large part of that now in hindsight was, you know, I say to my clients, what are you sensing and feeling? And if this is a text message from your soul, what does the text message say? Like what, what's the information we're gathering here? And I think often it's that I wasn't being kind to myself. I wasn't listening to myself. I was listening to everybody else and attuning to them and then mm-hmm. changing myself to be what they needed me to be. And my body's like, Mm-mm-mm. no, 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 no. No, 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 no. And so I, I had to learn to shift my way of being in the world, and this required a lot of vulnerability and pausing and slowing and sensing and feeling and coming home to the body. And then, of course, as we learn to be kind and and be present with whatever's arising, whether it's muscle tension or the the flutters or tinnitus sounds or dizzy feelings, any form of um sensory mismatch and conflict, as we learn to be kind, gentle, supportive, nurturing, interested, curiosity, they're great words that come through actually in Sandra's book. Um, Those sensations don't need to yell at us anymore. We help them come back to their center. We come home and we don't feel so much brain fog and exhaustion because we're not scattering ourselves energetically all over the place. We're staying whole in ourselves, in our own boundary and connected to ourselves so I think there's there's a lot to go on here as far as growth goes and self-knowing. Um, this conversation could go in so, so, so many different ways, but I feel like I want to start with the happy ending. Sandra, why don't we talk about, because my, my listeners know what it's like to live in not-quite-right unrest. They know what it's like to live in anxiety and in the pain and the suffering of, of not being present with and avoiding, distracting, denying these messages from the body, they, they deeply know what that feels like because that's often what brings them to my community. Let's fast forward to someone who's learned to nurture that vulnerability, learnt to pause, learnt to be with their, their old patterns and habits and they've grown and they've surprised themselves with what they've gotten out of it. What's some of these happy endings of arriving at authenticity and connection and knowing oneself better Um. Should we start there? Because then I think it gives us gives us a little bit of a guiding light of, of why bother, you know? It's
1: just, it's- yeah, that's lovely. Um, well, the three kind of fruit of all of this harvesting all of this gardening that we're doing here in our nervous systems the three fruit that i talk about are authenticity which is the sense of who i am on the inside um i first of all that i have an intimate experience of that but also i have the freedom to share that if I wish with others that what's going on inside me is I recognize that as as the true me and then I can share that with others and it's a very attractive thing when we're around someone that we feel is authentic who is not uh, running the old program of needing to please others or be what they imagine other people want or need there's uh, our shoulders drop when we're around those people it's like they're not performing I can drop my mask as well Um, so I think that's very uh, attractive magnetic uh, we want to hang with them and just it's very comforting and comfortable um and and um, freeing really um so authenticity the second is resilience which is kind of the holy grail of mental health it's that life will knock us down there isn't really a, a life that doesn't have difficulty obstacles disappointments d- delays losses mm. so what we want is to be able to face those in some way that allows us to get back up with at least as much as we had before we were knocked down. And if we do this uh, uh, in a way that stays loving and connected to ourselves, we actually expand into more of who we're meant to be. It's that paradox that, you know, if we navigate the difficulties of life well, we become more of who we are meant to be, which is not to say that we need those difficulties. I never liked that thing of, oh, you couldn't become who you are if you hadn't been abused as a child. I I don't buy into that. I think being loved is the best path for everything. But um, if we have faced difficulties, when we have faced difficulties, if we can stay close to what it feels like in the vulnerability of that, in the ways it wasn't what I wanted and I didn't have control, and yet somehow I can love myself there, it's radical. Those emotional experiences actually grow capacity, so that I am a larger conduit for the life force that's coming through me. It's it's yes. like it's like the stress of lifting a a, a dumbbell uh, on my on my bicep breaks down the muscle, but over time it grows the muscle if I stay with that. So resilience is a, is is a capacity really that we continue to grow through the lifespan, um, and that ability to bounce back from difficulty and through these experiences have faith that we can grow through difficulty so that rather than it being a threat it's more like a challenge uh something to test me and the third fruit if you will is connection that there's something about loving myself as a person who has limits that connects me to others like I'm I'm a bozo on the bus like everybody else I'm not different I I I fall down and then I get up and it feels like this and I'm not different from you. We we share this and it melts that fantasy barrier that we have that there's a me and a you and we're so different. I may have different specific troubles. I may or may not have tinnitus. I may or may not have vertigo. I may or may not have panic. Um, but as a human, I share what it feels like to be up against a brick wall. I've been banging my head against it. I've got a migraine and a bruise on my forehead and it's the, the wall's not budging. And now what? Now, how will I be with myself? And will I love myself even here?
0: And the sense of common humanity in that when somebody else, then we can witness that in other people. We don't have to run to chase and fix them or rescue them. We can actually be with it. And have that deep embodied felt sense of understanding that, yeah, and you're strong enough to get through that. So So, so we can be that present other, which again feeds that connection (sighs) because we're not um, avoiding, distracting, denying other people's vulnerability or unrest either. Absolutely.
1: Um, We're not that urgency to fix it, right? That it comes from something that seems loving and helpful, but it's really, I need to put you out of my misery. I can't it's, stand it anymore,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's intrusive. There's an invasive and intrusiveness about it when we interfere with other people's um, work, their their inner space. Mm-hmm. So what I love about that, and that was really a beautiful summary, actually, um that we're building our authenticity, our resilience, and connection. And I've shared this story. It just came to me as you were talking of, going through just a deep, dark dive into self-hatred. And reality was it, it had always been there because, you know, I, I, had, I had a middle-class upbringing, you know, in a, in a good postcode. And on paper, my childhood really was beautiful. But both of my parents had so much trauma that there wasn't that warmth in my household and there wasn't that cuddliness. And I was left to myself to sort out life more or less. At an emotional level. So I was very confused emotionally, and um, you know, just as so many other people, I internalized a lot of shame that I'm wrong. Not that mum and dad aren't available or they're doing their best, but actually, no, I'm just wrong because I'm crying and no one's coming to cuddle me. So that shame silently lived in my brain. And as I was approaching the age of 30, I remember a deep, dark melancholy feeling quite suicidal and meeting this self-hatred. And people might think, ooh, I don't want to go there, but it expanded me because what happened was I stayed with it. I felt into it. I embodied it. I think I just collapsed on the floor. Um, I was with it. I really meant it. But what happened was when I went to this deep place of self-hatred in myself, the equal and opposite force arose within me that was deep, deep, deep radical self-love, and they Mm -hmm. spoke to each other. And so if you think about it, if I'm not feeling those things, I'm just sort of living a life like this and it just doesn't quite feel right, but I just push on and I buy clothes or I drink alcohol or I do this or I do that and I'm like this. But if I just drop and go, whoa, part of me really hates myself. That's intense. going to get curious about that. going to feel through that. And then this other voice sort of comes up and was like, oh, darling, I'm so here for you. And like, that's that's big. I'm going to hold this with you. I'm now expanding into both the deep hatred and fear state, as well as the love state, and I'm, I'm I'm expanding into more of me, and therefore, if any of my clients or friends come up with this deep hatred piece, I can be beside them too because I'm like, yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I get it. So that's that connection piece, that resilience piece. I'm not afraid of that anymore because I've met it, I've been there, we've felt it. My body's okay with it. So I don't know if that's a bit of a lived example of of the expansion and Um, there's nothing wrong with the intensity and that's what you really cover in the book the fluctuation of human aliveness that we don't need to be flatlined or predictable or same same every day actually having an emotional flux and fluidity um, which is often how my clients describe their symptoms too there's a fluctuation Ah. and fluidity to it being able to experience that aliveness changing builds our resilience um, and gives us the variety and diversity of being human which is really really to be celebrated rather than quieted or avoided
1: and and in a practical way in that journey to love the ups and the downs of it all whether it's the intensity of the sound in your head or any other shift or flow like uh, people think oh I want to be happy and I want to stay happy and I don't want to not be happy so you know there's all sorts of things that we want to be flatline and the same and I I want to welcome the also the the part of us that rises up a bit like I suppose the the space that you're making for the the self hatred, but the but the, the the sense in me that you know I really want to hold on to this precious happy moment, and I never want it to end. And of course, as a moment, I say that it's already slipping out of my fingertips. And the very opposite is true: that in the you know in the moments where things are miserable and painful and, and uncertain, and I and I hate it. And I just want this to end, and I want I want this over with, and I want to be in a different place. Right? In fact. Um, that actually is already happening, whether or not um, I I notice it or acknowledge it, because everything, we're all vibration, we're all frequency, we are energy and frequency in in these bodies. So what goes up comes down, and what goes down comes up, the worst will become the best, and the best will become the worst. But I want to send love out to every person who's listening right now, to the part of them that wants to hold on to the good, and wants to push away from the bad and just i want that they love that in them too that is beautiful too that that's not wrong that i want the good goodies and that i don't want the baddies um and i'm using those words in a silly way because there is no good and bad it all just is i just like it or not um but it's all life if you want to say that it's all reality um and my capacity to make space for all of that is the thing that will allow me to have the largest experience of who i most deeply meant to be in this life. My, I think you use these words, Joey, but my relationship to myself mm-hmm. in this up and down of being a living sentient being
0: mm-hmm. in, in
1: physical form. Yeah.
0: And also just getting, out of the story of how we think it should be or the whole narrative is often really important. Yes. Um, And you might think, well, what do I do? And it can be like, well, it's similar to turning the shower on and stepping under the shower. Just let the water wash over you. Let the experience wash over. So how are we sensing it in the body? How are we feeling it? And often a sense of relief comes when we come home to the body, maybe not in- immediately, but once we're truly willing curious warm nurturing um showing that sense of care and interest in ourselves the body can can relax so
1: i if wanted you wanna... to do, if i could yeah just right there because when you you just speak about sort of the story that's going on i think that that's really important i the reason i came up with the term unrest is i want that there's a a friendly neutral word to describe this Spike of nervous system activation that's heralding the precise moment that you're confronted with a limit to what you want if it's a quiet. Uh, you know, sound, uh, or if it's a feeling in your body, or it's that your kids get along later today, whatever this longing is, in that moment that you're confronted with your limits, that bracing in your body is your friend, it is a precious, precious alarm, trying to wake you up right now, right now, it's saying right now, you could tune in and feel this humanness of you your longing and limits and what that the two steps of that the first is to recognize this arousal in the body and soothe it with attention which is very specific what you're talking about this idea that that the body is very grateful when we consciously pay attention in the moment to what it feels like Um, and then once we do that that the gratitude in the body is that there is this shift this I often say just 20% it's not we don't become melty relaxed but it takes the edge off that bracing just enough to say that my loving message that I'm right here with you animal um, animal says back to me thank you and now I do the next step which is I'm going to now open to this feeling of what it feels like and those are emotions unrest isn't an emotion it's a signal Mm. emotion is Um, this incredible stuff. There's sort of six core emotions according to the emotion researchers, but a couple of big ones for coming to terms. The first one is anger, it's the protest that things aren't the way I want. And the second, the fist opens into upward palms and I surrender in that sadness. If I can do the mad to sad, which a lot of parents are trained to help their kids do, but we need to be able to go mad to sad. Then out the other side is that uh, those fruit that we were talking about earlier, the, the authenticity, the resilience, and the connection, the creativity of our life is out the other side of that. But I have to say that anxiety is a different creature from unrest. It's the same physiology, indistinguishable from unrest, but it's to remove me from the immediate vulnerability that I have limits. It actually says you don't have limits. Um, you don't have limits at all. If you could get control over this, if you could figure out the exact pattern, if you knew that the tinnitus was only one day, and then you get three days off, or if you do this particular move, it'll stop. Or if you listen to this, you could get control. So it's very busily telling you that, you know, you actually don't have limits. On the other hand, (laughs) yes, the other thing that the uh, narratives in your mind can do is rather than remove the limits, it can try and remove the longing. And Make you say, well, it doesn't matter. Don't be silly. Suck it up. Don't be a whiny baby. And this is more the the sort of um, the sort of the denial dismissive path. So one is sort of catastrophic. This is a disaster, and I need to get a control over it immediately. Or the other path is more. Um, you know, ignoring and not feeling and pushing through and soldiering on and enduring and not caring about myself. And they both lead to different forms of suffering. Obviously, the first one leads to anxiety and panic. The second one is more depressogenic. It actually creates a feeling of apathy, detachment and disconnection. They're both Lying to you. One is saying your longing doesn't matter. That's the dismissive path. And the other saying your limits aren't real. Liar, liar. They're both lies. So I want that people recognize that the narrative is a trick. And it's not... It's not this isn't evil or anything. It's something in you that thinks it's very, very dangerous to confront your vulnerability, that if you feel vulnerable, you'll die. And this is all. this will be from childhood or something. But this, so these the stories in our head are trying to distract us like shiny objects and get us away from this immediate truth of I'm just a human. Mm-mm-mm.
0: And the one thing that connects my community but really all humanity, but our, our community in particular is, I have these unpleasant sensations or sounds in my body, however they're presenting, that I don't like and I don't want. And I've tried running away from them. I've tried avoiding them. I've tried distracting them. Um, I've tried denying them. And then people would have spent lots of money on different cures and fixes and pills and medications and devices. And and, and these are all part of that um this anxiety, this narrative of that I don't have enough in me to fix it. I can't heal myself. I don't understand this. And so we look outside of ourselves for all of these answers, which is all of these stories and tricks that actually it's our mind trying to help us, right? We deeply care about ourselves. We're worried about our health. So we do everything we can to fix it, to avoid feeling it, to or freeze ourselves, numb ourselves. But what that does is it really limits our lived experience. It limits our capacity to just walk by the river and listen to the creek and really relax and surrender into presence because in the back of our mind, there's this program that's trying to fix all these unpleasant sensations. So what Sandra's really talking about is if we just pause and feel into the unpleasant, unwanted, not Senses. quite right sensations, um, and we learn to listen and be with them and heed the message, which is really very much also the rock steady principles. And to do that on repeat moment to moment in life, ongoing so we're present with the body and we're responsive we can build up a toolkit of strategies and tricks and supports that we can draw upon to help ourselves feel taller sturdier more centered more grounded as we're navigating these vulnerable moments of pause and if you think about the flip side we spoke about building um, authenticity resilience and connection as lovely byproducts of this process and I fully connect to those as well, you know, as in my lived experience, I remember really feeling separate from others and that wall up and, you know, and if we're performing really in my head, I'm thinking, well, what I actually am is not going to be loved or accepted. So I better not be me. I better be something else because that's safer and that's what they need from me. So there's a disconnection to myself. And again, it feeds that shame and self-hatred loop that I developed. But I um, oh, lost my train of thought a little bit. Oh yeah. So we've got the, um, we've got kind of the light at the end of the tunnel of moving towards authenticity, resilience, connection. If we keep on ignoring, avoiding, distracting the fight, flight, freeze, and repeating these anxiety loops, these strategies that are really not helping with time. What it means is we can end up in a career we don't like because we're not listening to the whispers of the body. We can end up in a relationship that's not nurturing us because we're not listening to the whispers of the body. We can end up with unfulfilled relationships with our children we haven't been able to sit down and enjoy playing with them in the sandpit because we're too busy worrying about this inner war going on inside of ourselves we can't be present with our children authentically so we we miss those precious moments um, we could miss connecting to our hobbies because we don't have the, the courage to and resilience to move through what it might be to be a beginner and, and try the kayaking or float down the river or You know, so there's a lot of moments lost in our liveness when we force ourselves to live in these flat lining boxes, trying to have lots of control. The other piece is when I'm honest about my fragility and my vulnerability, when I really stand up wide-eyed, willing, chest open, feet grounded, and I soften into that reality, I become stronger. It is such a paradox. Yes. When When I am aware of my vulnerability, for example, I can't dig a hole deep enough to get the water I need to drink to survive. I'm going to have to find community and people to help me get my water to drink. I'm more likely to survive when I'm aware of my vulnerability that I can't do it alone and I seek help. I find my tribe. It's the same on so many micro decisions, including parenting, including relationships. If we're able to say, I'm really struggling actually in my relationship. I'm feeling empty. I'm feeling a void. I need help. And we might read a book, we might get help, we might open up a difficult conversation with our partner, we might go somewhere and grow with that vulnerability, instead of pushing it aside and just keeping the void there. Right? So I just wanted to paint that contrasting picture.
1: It's so interesting. You mentioned earlier with um your, your son and that beautiful interaction where you show up authentically, and, you know, really transmit a message that, Um, being uh, uh, angry or sad is fine. Mom is doing it. There's no problem. She's not out of control. She's not overwhelmed. She's not spinning in a vortex. She's well-regulated and she's got a furrowed brow and her tone and her body language matches the content of what she's saying. And what I think about that is that that little monkey with his mirror neurons um, was picking up what you were feeling anyway. So rather than crazy make him with this sainted mother for performance of, you know, yes, dear, yes, well, could you please speak to me a little nicer, right? (laughs) He's got a real mom who shows up and he doesn't feel crazy. He picks up that she's annoyed because his mirror neurons are doing that. And I think that's so beautiful as part of this whole connection piece that, again, back to being well regulated, I need to say that because emotion that isn't well regulated is not healing. I, I, I need to say that, that if I have high Uh, neglected unrest and I start to really buzz and I haven't noticed it as the feeling of my say anger about something or sadness about something rises Mm -hmm. those two forces the unrest which is not an emotion it's a signal it's like a spike just goes straight up and straight down um, and it's saying wake up notice pay attention that Um, spike rises and the wave of feeling hits it. And it's as though it hits a dam. And think about when water hits a dam, there's a flood and we feel flooded and we are flooded. Our nervous system is flooded. And so it's not a clean wave of feeling that rises and falls and takes me to a new place. And notice the difference. Emotion rises and falls and I'm in a new place. Unrest just goes up and down. It's just a signal. It's beep, 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 pay attention. But emotion is the gold. It's the thing that will carry me and transport me to a new shore of myself where I'm going to access these resources in me to make me a better mom, a better parent, a better. Um, you know, human on the planet contributing to everything, helping support the world, um, that this this regulation of the nervous system, this tuning in to bring it down. Unrest isn't the most important thing. The emotion is. But if you miss the unrest, you there's this risk of overwhelm.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important to say it's easy to miss the unrest. These little spikes can happen. Like yes. I started noticing, I'd be like, why isn't the vacuuming done? I want to vacuum the house once a week. What? You know, I asked you to help me with that. Why isn't it been done? And this is like really just my mum's voice in my head. And I had to pause and be like, why does it even matter if the house is vacuumed? Like really? I mean, now I'm in a place where we have the sandpit in the bedroom and the, the garden mulch in the kitchen. Like it's just the kids just drag everything in and it is what it is. But there's that that moment of going, I'm uncomfortable the vacuuming isn't done. Because that's something I think I can control. And if you mm. vacuum, it makes me feel supported as though you're helping me and we're sharing the load and there's this whole like tip for tat thing going, there's a whole backlog story. But if I can connect with the vulnerable feeling um, and have those conversations and sit with the discomfort and go, does the vacuuming really matter? And is that worth fighting about or bickering about? the The love can flow in a bit and clarity can come and, and what I'm saying is these are very short moments of pause where we can catch ourselves in these habitual patterns which can feed kind of bickering and you know narkiness or they can start really subtle but then of course they can explode into bigger things if we keep ignoring them
1: well, I think I, I, that's a beautiful, I love concrete examples like that, because I what I would want to do is say, look, your longing for your home to be vacuumed is as beautiful as your love for your family and your appreciation of the messy mixture of two young ones and life and gardens and sand and um, that they're both fabulous and I wouldn't want you to have to say to have to say I'm not saying you did but to have to say it doesn't matter that uh, the, the vacuuming doesn't matter what I would want is that you are so worthy of your love in the moment of I really want this place pristine whether or not your mother was you know a a Nazi with that stuff, but just, you know, I want this place, Christine, that you could love her, that, but if you stay there, the reality is you have two munchkins under the age of like three or four. This is impossible. This cannot happen. This is fantasy crazy so now what do we do right if we leave into the narrative of support looks like this and I'll, my marriage isn't good enough or that you know my kids are monsters, we can tell you know I'm not a good enough mother if I can't get this together whatever if we block those stories because that's what I want to I want to block the story what am I left with I'm left after the initial I really 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 want perfectly clean floors is and that my darling cannot happen now what now I need a wee cry because I really wanted those floors to be nice but then the miracle after the sadness and you got to give yourself time for this and we rarely give ourselves time but if we give ourselves time to come out the other side of that wave of sadness the surrender that clean floors are not in my future for perhaps a decade um, that out the other end of that there's this very natural expansion where I don't need to deny how much I wanted it, but since it can't happen, here I am with this greater complexity, this love for this messy, beautiful, delicious family. And it looks like this. That's what it looks like. And I'm here for it. And I didn't have to not matter in my other fantasy life. I'm living single in a little condo somewhere and there's no dust anywhere, but I don't have these miraculous little monster beings that give my life so much joy and meaning and this amazing partner who doesn't vacuum as often as I would like, right? And I wouldn't have all that. And so I'm there, but not because anybody wagged a finger or told me to count my blessings. Honestly, if someone does that, I want to punch them. I need to get there. I don't you know, I'll get there. My blessings will come to me. I don't have to go actively count them. If I let myself go from mad to sad, my blessings rain on me in that still point at the end of the
0: wave. And and I think Yeah, yes, and that I what I feel is it's really subtle. And so mm. what what I was noticing in the vacuuming for me was it was more I wanted something to control. And so being like, okay, it's vacuumed on Monday that was satisfying that piece of me uh that that definitely came from childhood that was just needed little footholds of rest well that Mm -hmm. that's going to be a certainty right Mm -hmm. and it's like Mm -hmm. and so what I noticed in this kind of unraveling was I had to get better at groundlessness of not knowing when things are happening and letting it be as it is and you know, enjoying the fresh bed sheets, or just enjoying the fact we have poo stains and vomit on the bed sheets, and that's okay too, and and learning to be okay with what's arising and what I'm sensing and feeling, um, without this kind of agenda of well, it should be this way and it should be that way, and all these little boxes that were supposed—they were actually delusions. Delusion yes. thinking, well, I can rest once it's vacuumed. No, then the next thing comes up and there's yes. actually never any rest. So the only way to get that nervous system to really drop in and exhale and sigh and rest was to be able to do yoga on a dirty floor, just to, just to let it go and to be in the groundlessness and the messiness of day-to-day life. And yes. of course, eventually when I'm ready to see the beauty in that, mm-hmm. um, and so it was, it was just, it seems silly. And this is why I sort of brought that example up because it can, the, the spikes of unrest and that discomfort, and I, I hear this actually in my clients that they'll say, I'm noticing I just feel hurried and rushed and urgent all the time. And I'm like, yeah, it's quite common. So how do we bring in that sense of center and calm and slowness and pause? Well, I think it starts with actually noticing in the beginning where we're pausing and slowing down into an uncomfortable place and we're staying there. Okay. And we're being kind and we're being curious instead of pushing past it. Cause we can, these spikes of unrest are so subtle and quick that we can push on, push on, push on, but to just stay with the, what we call, you know, the not quite rights and the whispers of the body and to be with it. That's when the body can possibly actually go, Oh, she's listening. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Here we are. We're both on the same page. Finally. Great. And we can do that more often and we build that muscle. And um, and I want to say what started off just being this awful, uncomfortable vulnerability that I hated. I remember at one point saying to my midwife, not one part of me ha- likes feeling this. I just feel so unraveled. I feel like I don't know what's up and down. My compass has been thrown out the window. Life is upside down. Um, I don't know who or what I can trust anymore. And... It went from this deep discomfort and just not wanting to be there, but staying with it because I had all the skills and tools and I was really good at that and willing. It then did shift into a tender, beautiful, a genuine tender, beautiful curiosity of being fascinated by the groundlessness space and starting to realize, well, actually, that controlling agenda of just going from one task to the next and really doing life in an illusion of control it's lost its luster for me. It's actually really more authentic, fulfilling and satisfying to deeply investigate this mystery and this not knowing and this raw groundlessness that does give me goosebumps. I'm touched. I'm moved. I'm actually a feeling sentient being. I'm not frozen (laughs) or flighting, fleeing, fighting. Right. So, and I think this is what your book really touches upon with a roadmap and, and, home exercises and really breaking down some of these human patterns that we're all seeing in clinics you know these are human patterns
1: yes yes and when you mentioned the subtlety of the spike i think that's a beautiful uh, thing to to highlight because Um, I think uh, something people could do right away that they could implement after our visit today would be to think about a situation. It could be something really daily, like what you gave the example of the vacuuming was perfect, right? Or, you know, I've got dogs and they're my husband's just come home because I asked him to go out and take the three little mutts out with him. And so they could bark and I want this to be a perfect podcast and the dogs will probably bark and I don't have control over that so my little body's bracing now. Mm. Um, So that's, but what I would invite is that your listeners. Right now, think of something like that, that they would like to be a certain way. Um, I want the podcast to go well. I want the tech to stay and the dogs not to bark. Um, And I may or may not have that happen. And what's my relationship to myself right now? And in this moment, Mm. when you think about a situation where you want something and you recognize you're not omnipotent, what's your body doing? Where are you bracing? You have over 400 striated muscles. Those are the voluntary ones that you can make move. And most of us can't name that many, but we can probably name 10 different spots in our body, the shoulders, the, the back, the, the glutes, the hamstrings, the, the calves, the, the, the abdomen, the, the, the throat, uh, You know, the biceps, the, the hands, the feet. Um, and, and to be able to go through and notice what's braced, what's holding, what's sort of tense or tight or contracted. There we go, got the puppies going and uh, and say hello to that and recognize that's how your body's trying to get your attention because I think salience is important once I start noticing it once I start recognizing my body has some particular ways of trying to get my attention right in that moment that I meant to pause um, I can I can begin to keep an eye out for my favorite ones I have this funny thing where my thumbs go up and my shoulders go up so I've got if I'm, if I'm on the elevator to my office and there's like 12 people and we're all jammed in like sardines and now no one's wearing masks and uh, and we're all very close I feel this happen it's like oh look at that right now you know yeah. if you're playing cards you know my tell right now you'll be able to know not to you, you can bet a lot of money because that's my little reveal um my thumbs going up but someone else might notice that there's a queasiness in the stomach or tightness in the throat or their butt clenches or their their feet start tapping or their fingers start wiggling notice that that's your ringtone that's your phone that's the call of your telephone calling you saying joey come home right this minute because there's an experience that wants to grow you that's happening right now come home
0: yeah and i really think that's that's the key take-home message that when we bring the physical mental emotional spiritual approach The key difference, I think, is this willingness to grow, willingness to feel, willingness to expand. I think that's a really beautiful and important word. We're expanding into more of ourselves. And in the Rocksteady community, we talk about our inner selves and our inner younger parts and even our inner elder, you know, the the part of me I, I haven't met yet. But being able to bring all those parts of me home. So there's not so much of me fragmented, floating around the world, interfering or with other people's stuff but really just coming home and staying with me in my mm. presence in my authenticity reconnected remembered regathered together belonging at home um it's actually when my my dream for myself the woman i want to become you know and i've said this from quite a young age actually is when i grow up i want to be an old an older woman who feels very safe approachable welcoming loving mm. that that woman who feels like home and -hmm. that's what we're talking about here it's this being authentic and comfortable in our own space in our own nervous system that there's a sturdiness and sure-footedness that's not arrogant it's not power over it's not bossy it's not rescuing it's not advice giving it's a willingness to be present with what's arising in myself but also in others It's really centering and it's like a a warm, cozy blanket. And the more I learn about the nervous system and the polyvagal theory and the fight, flight, freeze, fawn um, mechanisms that are healthy and vital and we can celebrate them, but we don't need to live in these survival mechanisms of fight, flight, freeze and fawn. Fawn being really that example I gave of feeling I had to pretend and perform for other people at some level. Um, And in doing that, I numb my own experience and dissociate from myself and my authentic needs in order to prioritize others so that I feel loved and get food on the table. It's a survival mechanism and very, very common. Um, But as we learn to let our guards down and be solid in ourselves, to be rock steady, our nervous system changes. I had a private client just yesterday pause, actually. And in a moment, just look at me and say, Joey, Rocksteady changes you. It changes the entire person. It's, 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 it's a big deal. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad you can see that now. You know, this is not about our tinnitus or (laughs) our dizziness or our panic or our anxiety. This is about the person we're becoming. It's about how we relate to ourselves and then how we can relate to others. And my belief is that as we come home to ourselves and our felt sense in the body, and we meet that authentically and lovingly, we change how we treat the planet and we change how we contribute yes. to community. And together as a collective, we grow. And that's the spiritual piece. As I come home to me, I come home to the whole, the whole of yes. me and the whole of the planet. And we learn how to share the load, share the resource and make space for all of us without this divisiveness and fighting and warring and incongruence and inauthenticity as we come home to ourselves and the body doesn't lie. um, I really do believe in a collective healing. And so that's kind of my wish for everyone listening. Thank you, Sandra, for your book, Embracing Unrest. Um, I hope many of my community members grab a copy of that book and read it. I think it's got a really valuable conversation that they'll enjoy.
1: Thank you so much for mm. having me on the podcast. This has been um, so wonderful to connect with you and have the opportunity to share these ideas with the, the Rocksteady community.
0: Mm, yeah. mm. Do you have any passing um, words? I usually finish my podcast by asking what advice would you give younger Sandra? If you could wind back the clock to a dark time in your life, what words of wisdom would you offer your younger self? in that moment of need?
1: Hmm. Well, that I would want the younger Sandra to, to feel inside herself that in her not knowing and not having, that she already is what she most needs to be and that You know, you, that way that you talked earlier about orienting outward, of course, I have antennae that are very highly attuned. I've been a psychologist for a long time, but I think I was born tracking others. Mm. And uh, I'd say to her, you know, those antennae turn inward as well, that mm. they don't just have to read others, and you can direct those antennae inward. Mm. And um, you could become exquisitely attuned internally, and that from there, your connections to others will have that that Res. Hmm. you've been
0: oh i think we've just dropped out a little bit
1: i think yes there's oh, a little it's... moment i'm back are you can
0: yeah yeah you're back <laughs> Um, Hello? Yeah, I think you were just saying you were turning your antennas inwards and having a moment of resonance with yourself or something along those lines.
1: Yes, and that, that's the foundation for a true connection with others that I, I tried to get from orienting outward. And I, I do, when I think about that, I do want to say to people, you know, our ears and eyes are oriented outward. And it's such a radical act to say, I'm going to turn inward first and use that as the foundation for reaching outward after. Mm -hmm. Because our eyeballs don't swivel inward, do they, (laughs) right? They only look out. Mm -hmm. And so shiny objects are quite attractive. Um, And to realize that to be, that's why I like to visualize antenna that have this sort of 360 ability, um, and that I can actually turn them toward me with warm interest and non-judgment and tune first inward. That's the foundation for them, as you say, community and the planet. Mm. Uh, What what we're meant to do is connect with others. But if I do that without being connected to me, um, there's no ground. There's no ground. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not starting from the place where my gifts can be contributed to the whole.
0: Yeah. And I think if I, on the back of this conversation, were to give Joey, little Joey, some guidance I think I would say your body is making these sensations right now so you can feel them and it's safe to pause and feel these feeling them is your aliveness even the icky ones like the being afraid or the feeling judged or the feeling rejected or feeling not enough it's okay to feel all of those and it doesn't make it true That it's safe it's safe to feel them I'm here with you. I see you. I love you. And let's get to know our body together. Mm. Mm. Embracing Unrest, everybody. That's the title of Dr. Sandra Parker's book. I'm Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. Visit my website to learn more about my offerings and how I support people in the world with my Rocksteady community and program. And Sandra, would you like to just verbally let us know the best places to connect with you online? Your website yes, so or yeah.
1: My website is drsandraparker.com. So just dr without a period, sandraparker.com. Uh, and on Instagram, Facebook, it's just dr Sandra Parker.
0: Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Um, it's such a blessing if we can find therapists, mentors, coaches, or friends who can be that empathic witness, non-judgmental, grounded in the body, securely attached, and listening with presence. And I my prayer for everybody, not that I'm religious, by the way, but my prayer for everybody would be that you find that person or those people throughout your life who can help mirror you, be present in your body with you together and you can have a deep exhale of belonging and connection. Thank you, Sandra. That's so thank you for the work thank you do. You. It's clearly moved a lot of people and I really enjoyed reading your book. So thank you. Thank you. Bye for now.